Hi, I'm Greg Yuland with Reynolds & Reynolds, and this is Connected. Today's a fun episode. I get to sit down with Don Graff, who's the owner of Don Graff Automotive Advisors. Uh, Don has a, a long and storied history in automotive retail, so I'm excited for this conversation. Uh, also, Don's actually presenting a session on employee retention at our Reynolds Retail Summit coming up here in less than three weeks, uh, September 25th and 26th at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, if you're coming, make sure to see him, and if you haven't registered yet, be sure to do so now at rayray.com slash amplify. Uh, so, Don, thanks so much for uh, for sitting down and talking. I really appreciate it. Uh, but if you don't mind, could we maybe start, if you could just give a little bit of your background. I know you've been all over the place um, working in stores, working with stores. So um, tell us a little bit about you, your past, and, and kind of what you do now. Oh, I've been very fortunate in my past. I've had some good mentors. I was working in a Mercedes store a long time ago, and they... Uh, mentored me to go to NAJA Dealer Academy. Unfortunate for me, while I was going to the Dealer Academy, someone offered them too much money and they sold the dealership while I was there. And uh, that started my journey into consulting. I got lucky again and I landed with, uh, with the Maritz Corporation and J.D. Powers. And J.D. Powers, they taught me in two weeks, bell to bell, how to do, how to uh, run classrooms and get the most out of cross-functional teams. I started my career, I guess, for about six weeks, uh, six years, excuse me, and get on a plane on a Sunday and come back on a Thursday and be in various dealerships all over the country, helping them uh, get to be more successful and build teams and solve problems. Then I came back into retail. I ran a couple of stores. I ran a Chrysler store for a while. Then I got lucky and I ran Boston Toyota for a while. Uh, I dealer sold the dealership to Herb Chambers Group. And then I came back to New Jersey and I landed with the Prestige Organization. And prior to that, I was doing a whole lot of recruiting for various organizations. And uh, uh, I my company underwent a couple of different metamorphoses, and that's kind of when I met uh, Lavia Panera, who was with the Reynolds Corporation. In fact, I recruited, I recruited Flavio into the business. Really? Now we met, and uh, we both worked for the Bill Vince organization several different times. I worked with Bill Vince Honda. I worked with his... Uh, son in the Phillipsburg organization. Then later in life, I worked uh, for his son-in-law at, at the Open Road Group um, as their uh, e-commerce director for their import for BMW stores, mini store, and their Audi store. And prior to, <clears throat> prior to that, I was working with Alexis store and Flavio calls me one day and says he needed to get out of the organization he was with. So I arranged for him to get an interview over there. And several years later, you may not know this, Flavio uh, became the uh, general sales manager, later became the general manager of that store and rose in the ranks of the Penske organization and later on went to work with the Reynolds and Reynolds organization. He's a very, very competent and uh, well-rounded person. 
Yeah, 100% agree. 100% agree. No, great, great experience on that front. Uh, you know, interesting fact, you may or may not know this about Flavio. You mentioned a well-rounded person. Uh, he's actually a beekeeper. Did you did you know that? It's fascinating to me. Every time I think of him, I, it just blows my mind that he's a beekeeper. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, well, no, thanks for sharing that. I, I really appreciate it. Um, and, and Don, so you mentioned kind of bouncing around mostly in the Northeast, uh, but now you're in Southwest Florida. Yeah. And I, I'm curious, um, you know, what that transition was like, why you decided to uh, to head south and maybe when you decided to head south, because uh, there's pros and cons, obviously. Well, the, the, I decided my wife really wanted to move. She was with Macy's Corporation for 30 years in various management corporate management positions. She gets up at four o'clock in the morning and she was getting home at nine o'clock at night. She had 25 stores. So it's very similar to being a road road guy in the car business. Uh, and it came time for her to retire. We looked at places to go, like Southwest Florida. I'm 15 minutes from, uh, from Fort Myers Airport. I can get on a plane in 15, 20 minutes, get a flight to the Northeast, Midwest, Las Vegas, many times where a digital dealer uh, has their conferences or NADA, it can be anywhere. I have clients in the Chicago area, in the Northeast, like I currently do, or even the, you know, to go to California too. So it's an easy place to go. Plus, you have some great dealerships right in the neighborhood. I have the Germains, I have many friends in the Germain organization. I can pick their, their brain and work with them. No, that's great. That's great. And, and glad to uh, glad you were able to make it work. And, and it sounds like a lot of logic and, and uh, research went into it. So it's that's fantastic. Um, well, Don, I, I want to dive in. You know, obviously you are um, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd probably say an expert on, you know, team building and culture and, and retention. Um, so I want to I want to dig into that with you a little bit, if you don't mind. And, uh, you know, maybe start with your your philosophy. And when you go into a store, um, you know, obviously you have a lot to learn in every situation. Well, maybe that's not obvious, but I assume you go in and, and probably observe and learn and, and uh, have some conversations. And then from there, you know, you're going to guide people and lead people. But um, maybe you could start with your underlying, I guess, philosophy that you try to help people uh, get to. Well, when you first come into the store, you need to spend some time assessing what's going on and what the reasons are that they're bringing you into the store, because they aren't always apparent. Uh, you have to find what the underlying reasons are. There may be some conflicts. You want to find out why there may be high turnover, or why they're uh, why they're why the uh, family isn't getting along. Many times, you know, the father has sometimes. Shouldn't say many times. Sometimes I'm brought in because the father has passed away in the last several years, and the siblings are uh, at issue on how to run the dealership or the dealerships. And I'm brought in either by the controller or one of the family members to see if I can sort things out. So we start with an assessment. I see what's going on, and inevitably some of them have their favorite vendors, and we find that there's sometimes vendor overlap. So I can often save them money and headaches by sorting through what's going on with their vendors and who is giving them the best bang for the buck and where the issues are, where many of their issues are 
underlying, especially in personnel, and where um, where they need to grow and where they may need to cut back. That's where I would start. We start in the personnel department and we look to see who's been there longest and why they have been successful in their job. And we find that, and then we look in other departments, and we see where there have been turnover. We start to dive deep and see why those issues are occurring. And once we service some of those, what we would call root causes, I learned that in merits, um, there's always two, two points of view. You know, there's uh, the, the realistic point of view and there's the point of view that the, the uh, stakeholder has, uh, which is really the reality view of what's going on. Sometimes people are overworked and we don't see the forest for the trees. And once we can get down to the root causes and we can actually pinpoint where the pressure points are, we can either take, we can either recommend remedial action or the owner can see the remedial action himself and start to take uh, action. And then we may be able to graduate into the acquire, retain, reward system as we go along. Is yeah. that from point of view? Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. So you mentioned two things there that I wanted to just double click on real quick. So the first one was, um, you know, obviously retention, but you also mentioned vendors. And when you look at um, some interesting numbers, I'm sure you know these as well, but you look at, uh, it's really NADA numbers, uh, employees per store right across the country. And last year, the number was, I think, 64 employees per dealership. Um, and that's that's almost the highest it's ever been, right? So you go back to 2000. Uh, 2006, 2007, um, you know, we were in the 60s, uh, not quite as high as we are now. And then, you know, recession hits 2008, 2009, we dropped down well into the 50s, uh, pretty significant decrease in workforce. And, um, you know, we've had some blips along the way, but but we're still back to a point where it's almost the highest count that, that we've ever had uh, per store. And, and then you also mentioned, you know, vendors, and you think about why that employee count is so high. And there's various reasons, but one of them is certainly the fact that that the dealership's grown and changed over the last right decade or so right there, there's departments inside of a dealership that didn't exist 10 5 even three years ago right everybody's got um, an internet department everybody's got a BDC they probably have two of them one for sales one for service everybody's got a digital marketing manager the list goes on and on and on um, and and each of these departments and you kind of articulated it right that they, they operate in many ways in a silo and they all find software to fix the problems that they develop over time and when they when they do that sometimes there's overlap right and at a minimum you need people to make sure that that information on each of those vendor systems uh, isn't duplicated and it's accurate at a maximum they're rekeying information right or, or duplicating information manually um, so there's a lot of employees per store and, and those two things the the employees and the vendors I think um, are, are certainly strongly correlated if not you know partially uh, if there's some causation there too so I don't know I think that's that's an interesting I guess look at it when you when you look at it that way. Um, do you see that as well when you're in stores? I mean, do you do you have uh, you know do you share that perspective? Absolutely. You look at how how many people does it take now to manage a website? Right. 
many things are going on on the website. You're scraping a website for extra information, how to use that information. What, what, how many different ways are you looking at the data? How do you consolidate the data? Uh, you know, in a, the, the uh, well, how long have I been doing that? How long have I been a consultant for in this company now? 15 years? I mean, just in the 15 years, a whole realm of uh, data collection has changed and, some, and it's changing again now with how Google is allowed, how Google is advertised. It's, I mean, it's hard to be an expert. Uh, you have yeah. to have someone that's, you almost need someone on the outside that you can trust to monitor all the vendors you have soliciting you and that are, you're uh, using to manage your organization because it's hard to do that yourself or to have your own, your other, your, your BDC manager, your service manager, your, you know, if you have a fixed ops director, you have a sales director, you, you know, you have a, a grounds director. I mean, there's so many people now running organizations. You know, it's management by committee. Yeah. Yeah, which which is definitely a struggle. Um, and then thinking about, you know, the other piece of that, which is is the number of employees and, and retention, um, you know, which I, I do want to dive into. You mentioned kind of your framework. But before we get there, I, I want to get your thoughts on, um, I don't know, I, I struggle sometimes with how much can you actually impact retention in a retail business, right? Take take automotive retail out of it. Retail in general, hours are difficult, right? I mean, you're, you're working nights, you're working weekends in most cases, or, um, you know, it, generally it's not an eight to five job, right? And as people have families and they have other responsibilities, um, often I, I just, I wonder, you know, how much impact do you actually have on retention? Are you going to always have some level of attrition? Um, and is some level of, of attrition okay? I don't know. What What are your thoughts? My thoughts are that it's changed over the last several years and that more dealers are becoming more collaborative and uh, fostering an inclusive culture. I mean, you have stores now, I'm reminded of, uh, I guess, Brian Abbott that has the Toyota store down near Atlanta, and they have a childcare center right in the dealership. So that allows his staff to be able to monitor their children while they're at work. It allows them to get more productivity. It eliminates, he's eliminated that issue that uh, people are away from work where they have other things going on. Of course, they still have things taking them, taking the children to, uh, doctors and so on, but it's not quite as, uh, uh, I would say, debilitating where they're gone for, for half a day. It's hours now instead of for half a day or losing so much productivity. And I also have colleagues where they have clients, I don't have one currently, where they're allowing uh, their people to work uh, remotely, especially with BDCs. And they have ways to monitor them, HubSpot, has a monitoring program. You can monitor a person constantly to see how productive they are away from uh, the office. Yeah. You know, yeah. Generational thing. You know, people over 50, like me, no, we're used to be in the office. Right. You know, and, uh, COVID bothered me. I'm used to having co contact 
mask or maskless uh, and working um, from home. I mean, I have a big uh, blue screen over in the corner, have a circular uh, light over there. Over in my head, I used to have one light, have four lights, have a little light over here, have one light here, have another light over here. I have six lights in my office now. So depending on how I'm communicating or who I'm communicating with, I have good visibility. People have good visibility in me. I have a small screen, I have a big screen, I have an iPad over here if I have initial information I have to give. I have my cell phone here. I have another phone here. <laughs> I, I mean, the you have to have everything like either you have four, you have a studio, you have four uh, yeah. cameras, yeah. Four yeah. cameras. Sorry, I'm losing my mind. No, uh, you're right. All the, the, the video equipment and the dealerships have to do the same thing. It's a question of being so flexible. You know, when I came into the business, it was three bell to bells. Work three, right. nine, ten times a week. You wanted to make money. But then also at that time, they gave, I had a salary, I had a demo. And by the time I was selling Mercedes, they were giving me, I had a free Mercedes to drive. Who does that now? Right. You know, in my environment in the Mercedes store, uh, those are the days they still were, uh, they, they were uh, in income tax. He set up a, a fund for me where I was, I had a perpetual draw. I wasn't collecting my, my complete salary and bonus every week, every month. I was on a draw. Yeah. It doesn't happen anymore. Right. Now, now you're trying to do that again. But I had people, we did pick up on delivery. We took customers to the uh, train station. We went to lunch with customers. That's what you have to get back to. You know, it's a relationship business. Yeah. It's the same thing inside the dealership. Got to know your people. Now, when I ran a store, I gave out bonuses just for people, just for being friendly to the customers. If I caught you doing something special with your customer, I made sure you got some kind of bonus or recognition. That's why I have the, you know, the uh, reward system. I believe that you need to acknowledge your fellow uh, employees in some way during the day, whether it's uh, an, a bonus, whether it's saying, hi, wow, that, that was great. Thank you for helping me out. Or it's giving them some recognition for their uh, church project or like Flavio with his bees. I mean, that shows that he had, he's working on the environment. You know, we have a bee shortage. I'm aware of this. There's just a thing, I think it's in Maine or somewhere with where a big, um, a farmer lost the truck with 20 million bees. I mean, a large amount of bees spilled on a roadway and they're trying to retrieve all these bees for two or three days. And yep. it's incredible. It is, yeah. Um, no, so so you mentioned it's hard enough to acquire people. Look at how we're acquiring people. But in my talk, I'm talking about I have a colleague that's been advertising for five years in social media, you know, using Facebook and using LinkedIn and using Instagram to get people. She says that Gillian Beaver Creek that runs funny ads, like you know, if you're not happy, and she has it has a has a tech with a tool in his hand, and it's like a broken hammer. 
your dealer's not giving you the right tools, come and see us. We'll give you the right tools. We'll give you the right hours, and you're going to make a lot of money with them. You're going to get a bonus, you know? You know, yeah. you've, got to, you've got to be thinking out of the box. And, how, you know, 15, 20 years ago, were you using an employee to uh, to share how well they were being treated in the dealership to get someone to come and work for you? No. That's what you right. have to do. Everything's yeah. by referral. You know, if you're getting a good review from your your uh, the people that are going to be serviced and buying cars from you, you have to get reviews by your people. So how do you do that? How do you go about and and what's what's the appropriate way to do that? Is that you know you ask them to um, you know post on Facebook or you know that, that's where I think it, the execution is probably where it falls apart for a lot of folks because you know the idea of okay ask your employees to refer others um, but sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't right sometimes um, it's the right person for your company uh, sometimes it's not um, the roles vary right so obviously you'd rather have people um coming in than not so you know the, the more applicants you get the better um but what is the appropriate way to ask someone to refer their friends to refer their family or simply to share on social media is there is there also a reward for that right is there some sort of referral bonus what what's the best practice there how do you appropriately ask your employees to have others join them many times there's a bonus situation whether it's whether it's additional days off, time is much more valuable to employ than the dollars I've found over the years. If you think about it, is a weekend worth more to us going somewhere special? Years ago when I was at the Toyota store, I offered an employee three days at Disney to, to uh, achieve a certain goal rather than $500 or $1,000. And normally he would have achieved this goal in 60 or 90 days. He achieved this goal in 30 days. He blew people's minds. This yeah. got attention. Going to Disney World with three children, you know, is not a cheap thing. Airfare going down three days. It's not so expensive for a big dealership that's, you know, <laughs> making millions of dollars. But sure. Look at the return on investment and the publicity. This is a big deal. For the store, it's a small thing to do for someone. Yeah, yeah. How does that impact? Um, so, before we started recording, you were talking about you know generational differences. Um, so, I'm curious your thoughts on you know when when you reward someone like that in that way, right? So, your top performer gets a, a trip to Disney with their family. Um, at some point. Do, does everyone else in the store feel that they should receive some sort of reward also? How do you how do you balance that? Because obviously retention is important. Retention of great people is more important. But any given month or any given you know quarter, you're only going to have one top performer, right? There's only going to be one best, um, you know, and in, uh, with with today's, um, I guess, employee base, does that have any negative impacts, right? Do you do you inadvertently discourage someone because they're not the one that's winning the trip? It's always the the one, two, or three people that that are rotating. No, I think you can tier. In fact, a friend of mine has a company called Culture Booster, and uh, in his system, he had, he um, he he allows the dealer or anyone to create the KPIs and a scorecard in such a way that 
recognition is on any level for virtually any any positive activity that they generate, whether it generates uh, income or it generates positivity, so that the employee is recognized and continues to do the work effectively so that it benefits the company. Um, and so they're encouraged to continue to do well. Um, it's, it's a you want to encourage the behavior. It doesn't necessarily have to be an economic reward. And you're always looking for them, for your people to be involved in a community. I you know, always encourage my people, whether it was uh, in a department when I was fortunate enough to be a plummeting car and truck country in the early 2000s. As e-commerce direction, I had 14 stores. And I have to brag a little, we managed to do 4,000 vehicles on the uh, in the internet with that staff uh, wow. they're cooperative and we worked with the vendors and the vendors sponsored all of the awards we had we had dinners and luncheons quarterly um, the dealership hardly had to give anything it was just my owner and the General managers would come to the meetings and they would hand out the awards like they were coming from the dealership, but they actually came from the various vendors that were supporting the dealership during the year. Uh, as you can tell, there are lots of ways to do this without impacting the, the dealer's bottom line and to make people feel successful. I have a young man that I worked with and we, do you remember when you had the wristbands? Be, do good things, or they were um, the 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 bicyclers. I'm forgetting his name now, but he he uh, got caught doing bad things. But he was the first one, or I'm sorry, maybe it was actually the Vietnam veterans. You had the name of the soldier that was missing in action. Then sure. later, there became bands that you had on your. I'm sorry, you may not see it on my screen. That were uh, mementos and said positive things. Well, I got. I, <clears throat> found a vendor that had these bands and I created teams with these bands. I had a young man that recently uh, sent me, a, I think, a text. He's now an executive with uh, with a Toyota on the west coast of, of Florida. He's an executive with them. This is 20, 25 years later, Anthony Alperon. Uh, I'm very proud of him. He still yeah, has- that's great. From those meetings, yeah. Who knew? No, it's, it's yeah. No, that is that is interesting. Um, you know, and, and creating that that team and that camaraderie and that common goal uh, makes a difference. And that that's maybe another way to look at it. Um, you know, individual awards, like you mentioned, the Disney trip um, are, are positives and great things and, and should be encouraged, but also uh, team awards, right? And and having a way for a team to succeed together um, and the, the individuals that are part of that team then be rewarded together. Uh, that's probably another effective way uh, to, to create that that loyalty and that camaraderie. Is that fair? Do you see that working? Yeah, we would send people on the trips. Four or five people would go on, go away for a weekend, you know, on, on a retreat. Or, you know, uh, well, we were fortunate. It's like being in Southwest Florida. I can send people to the beach or whatever. But there we had the Poconos and South or the Jersey Shore of the beach. Send someone to the beach inexpensively for a weekend. And we had, you take what you have. 
and you utilize it and people come back and they talk about it the next the next meeting it's uh it's it's a fist pump yeah the positivity that you generate is is incredible sure. you send me the races go to lime rock um i'll have friends that went to go to daytona seabrain yeah yeah definitely um do you think, Don, there's an appropriate level of um, attrition in employees? Is is any turnover good? Um, you know, when I when I think about you know rewarding employees, and I go back to that thought of um, you know, what if you're the person that that doesn't win the award, right? What if you never win the award, um, and you end up frustrated? I uh, feel like you're not succeeding. Um, you know, is that indicative of that person maybe not being in the right seat on the bus is that something where as a as a dealership as an employer you look at it and say okay this person's likely getting frustrated and it probably starts with the conversation but this this person's likely getting frustrated you know they're not necessarily succeeding or, or winning um so you know is there a different opportunity for them at the store um i, I don't know what what are your thoughts on that when someone maybe isn't performing at the highest level or the, the needed level um you know, you don't necessarily want to lose them, or maybe you do. I, I don't know. What What are your thoughts in that scenario? When you're looking at someone that's uh, unhappy or not functioning at the highest level, and they're not negative, it's a little bit different. Sure. Negative people, I don't usually keep them. I wouldn't recommend keeping someone that has an attitude or they're high, what we would call high maintenance. There are other factors uh, at work. Do everything you can to keep a good person. That's different. And I'm a, I'm a believer in team players. I've often switched people around and I found people other opportunities in other stores and, and within the organization. The beauty with being involved in a dealer group with three, four, or 10 stores. There are other sure. places that they can go and they can be more important in that organization. Or sometimes people don't, want to be in a customer facing position. Uh, they need to be in a, uh, another position is better for them. I mean, we all, I don't know if you, everyone's probably seen the 2022 NADA uh, dealer studies. I certainly have. And attrition was for sales and uh, service was in the forties or high thirties rather. It's going to go right. higher than here without question because there's a talent level where people were being rewarded in sales uh, without merit, in my opinion. I did a, I did a, uh, a survey myself, 75 BDC departments, and I hope you're sitting down. 66% <laughs> of them abandoned leads after three days. 66% abandoned leads after three days. So if someone wasn't looking over their shoulders, That's a lot. So two two thirds, um, two thirds. If they don't get a, a call back or an email back or a response after three days, then that lead's gone. Gone, uh, regardless of cost, regardless right. of menaces from East Coast, West Coast, all across. I don't care if it was a Kia dealer. I don't care if it was a Mercedes dealer. I don't care if it's a Chevy dealer. I tried them all. Yeah. 
Yeah. So how has, I guess, how has that changed? And maybe more broadly, we can get into as well. Um, how has the role of the BDC and the employee in the BDC call center, whatever you want to refer to it as, internet sales, you know, there's lots of different uh, language you can use. But how has that role, I guess, and maybe even that department changed over over time? You know, it, it kind of started, um, <laughs> frankly, it started as, as a group that was doing the work that other salespeople didn't want to do or felt that they didn't have time to do. Right. Outbound calls, handling inbound calls. I want to I want to sell. I want to work the lead. I want to have, you know, the up on the floor. Um, I'm going to work the deal. I'm going to sell the car. Um, I don't necessarily want to make that person come in. Right. I want to get them when they're in here. So somebody else can do that. Um, and maybe I'm off base, you know, maybe throw, tell me I'm, I'm wrong. But, you know, it kind of started there and it's evolved over the years and, and had different uh, renditions. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? How do you see the role evolving and, and kind of where is it today? No, I think you're right. I think it did start there. And I think Reynolds was an innovator in the uh, BDC uh, world with uh, reporting and analyzing it. With, I believe it was Ralph Paglia was doing a lot of reporting and working with Mercedes. And I was with the Mercedes store when some of that was coming out. I was working with Mercedes a group that had a Mercedes store and going through the certification process and looking at some of the reporting is very, very intense, very, very interesting. And the person now that is coming into the BDC is much younger and has different communication skills than the person who was coming in 20 years ago. Uh, the person who was coming in 20 years ago had other communication skills. The one now has different phone skills. They grew up using the, just the phone, not necessarily using a uh, keyboard and sitting at the the desk all day to communicate with people. Well, technically, and, there is a keyboard on the phone, right? <laughs> the whole thing. They're working. They're working with their thumbs. Yep. They weren't working. You know had a stationary place. They're used to being mobile. That's a whole different dynamic. Back in the organization with now, I'm watching them. I assess them for two days. And it's very hard to get them to sit still. Very interesting. Yeah. You know, they make five, 10 calls. They're up. They're doing something to come back, make five, 10 calls. Or older, two of the older people in the room are sitting there. They'll uh, do three, four hours worth the stuff, someone will get them a cup of coffee, whatever, they're not moving from their desk. Yeah. The different dynamic and I'm observing it, I can see it going on. And you're, you're right about the breakdown. Then I do, I had in the 14, 15 stores I had when I was at Flemington, I had stores that took it, people that wanted to do the whole transaction. And they were capable of doing 15, 25 deals, uh, soup to nuts, and having uh, 30, 40 appointments in a month and still having more work to go and, and giving uh, colleagues some of those appointments to, to the floor. And I had others that worked in a traditional environment and we made appointments and those appointments went to salespeople on a floor and they were sold that way. So I've seen it done successfully both ways. I'm used to seeing it done both ways. And 
I prefer the person that is doing it and is dedicated to it because they get to develop the skills so they can learn to write the text so that they're personalized better. Because I believe that's where the direction is. I think the statistic is 85% of people are opening or at least reading a text where only 35% are answering the telephone and uh, looking at an email. So you need all three. Then you have yeah. the, the other uh, thing was that a, a visualized, or I'm sorry, a vocal uh, text now or animated yeah. text comes also in the fourth avenue, which is some states it's not legal. So a bit complicated. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So um, what do you see, I, I guess, if we break it down a little bit from a dealer's perspective, um, what's typically more cost effective, right? So when you, when you think about what you're spending per car sold, right, if you have a salesperson that handles everything start to finish, or you have, you know, a, a group of salespeople um, that, just handle the, the customer when they're in, um, or maybe when the leads turned over to them, and then you have a dedicated BDC. Is it is it generally more expensive to have a dedicated BDC, or does it does it kind of wash out? Do you get more volume? I guess what what are maybe look at it from a, a pros and cons perspective beyond just the skills, right? So yeah, you can um, develop the skills necessary and good communication skills when you're focused on just that role. But when you think about the output and the results, um, what do you typically see? Is there a higher output at a at a more cost effective rate using a BDC than having you know kind of of a, uh, a single person responsible for that contact from origination or even, you know, when they identify that prospect in the CRM um, all the way through to, to turn them, turning them over to F&I. Well, if you're running it like a true BDC and you're doing some, you know, some marketing effort to the community and outreach as well, then it becomes uh, a triple, triple play. Then the deal, then it's mature the cost is very effective and it's inexpensive uh, because you're managing the cost. The cost of acquisition is clear. The cost of sale is separate. And then you can see what your true profitability is. Once the, the uh, BDC is operating and it's mature, it, there's no comparison, you know, what, what the uh, dealership can do with that BDC. I have, an, I have a, a client in New Jersey that has grown from two dealerships to four based on what their BDC is capable of doing. Their BDC writes 60% of their business, generates 60% of those stores sure. business. And the grosses coming out of the, generated out of the BDC are 10% higher than what's generated on the floor. This is become a machine. In fact, in the BDC environment, that B, the BDC director um, manages the phone calls, the daily phone calls that the salespeople make. So in, in other words, I don't know if you can see my hand, but in the perimeter of the BDC office are desks with computers and phones where every salesperson has to come and make an hour's worth of calls. And the BDC director monitor, monitors those calls and signs off on them every day. 
So they manage the productivity of the phone calls of the sales force because his, his productivity is so high in his department that it has carried over to the store's productivity and has yeah. enabled them to grow so much that they've added other two other dealerships and have become incredibly successful in that, in that uh, area. Yeah. Now, have you seen uh, dealers that are executing well, like you're describing, um, have you seen that being a stepping stone, like a career progression for somebody to go from the BDC into the sale, like as a, into a sales rep role? Is that, is that a logical next step? Is that, you know, a good way to retain a place? In this instance, the dealer is sending this individual to NADA Dealer Academy. He's, he's a, a pathway for him to be a, to be a Joe manager or a dealer, one of the other dealer stores that he's he's acquiring and then for his uh his department manager to move into his role so he sees it as a marketing manager role development in that in that department there because now that that department used to manage two dealerships now it's it's supporting five right in four years that's pretty dramatic it is. It is. Okay. Um, one other thing I wanted to get your, your thoughts on, Don, um, you mentioned, you know, communication channels and text and email and phone. Um, I'm curious what impact you've seen uh, chat and even taking it a step further, virtual retailing have on that BDC department and or sales department. What What is that interaction um, due to the overall skill set? And you see different different types of, of chat and VR being used, right? You have um, AI, artificial intelligence answering some of it, but you also are going to need somebody to respond to chats at some point, right? And when you get into building a deal online and using virtual retailing tools, um, you, you need to get a salesperson engaged at some point. The customer, you know, wants that interaction um, and, and frankly needs it. The customer needs it and so does the store. Um, so I don't know, what have you seen those types of tools do and what type of impact have they had on, on the skill sets needed? Uh, I've seen these chats for 10 years now. So I've seen right. them develop. And my, um, I've come to believe and uh, deep down my soul that they have to be personal. You have to have a person retrieving the chat, engaging the chat for it to be effective. The artificial uh, chat, some of them are still primitive. Some of them have come a long way. In the end, if there isn't a person at the other end communicating and they've come so sophisticated you can send documents back and forth, if you have a person and you can actually do the transaction through the chat, uh, some of the more sophisticated ones, you can do that in 15 minutes without the person coming in the showroom. But I don't believe you do it effectively with people trusting AI alone. Yeah, Much yeah. No, that makes sense. And I would I would present that there's really kind of three layers, right? When you think about a chat interaction, you have a customer that's just looking for information. And that's where AI can really play a big role, right? That's what it's good at is serving up that that standard information, um, like a Google search, right? It's the same thing. And then, but then you okay. go from there and go ahead. I go with you. That's a quick and easy stop. Yep. So that's that's the first part. And then the second layer, yeah, one set. You have five or six of those. You have the multitude of colors. You have a Milky Way bar. You have the three musketeers. You know, you have another bar I like. That's great. Okay. You have the variety. 
I would need to talk to someone to see what's actually there and how fast I can have it. Yep. Yep. I agree. And then you even mentioned, you know, getting into <clears throat> sending documents. I mean, at that point, that's when, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to sell somebody a car, you want a person, <laughs> you want a person building that deal. Um, at the end of the day, you know the software can can handle it, but you want to make sure it's right, right? If the if the consumer believes that they're buying a vehicle, um, you want them to be buying a vehicle. So, um, yeah, you're, I agree with you. I think there's there's use cases, and and when you look at it in kind of those three tiers, um, you know you can pretty easily define where that that comes into play. But no, that's that's good insight. You know, based off of your experience over the years, for sure. Um, all right, Don, I want to be super respectful of your time. I appreciate you hopping on. It's been been a fun conversation. It's kind of flown by. Um, but anything we haven't uh, talked about that you want to make sure to touch base on? Any, anything you want to hit on before we jump off of here? Well, I don't know. I just looked up the clock. We're at 52 minutes already. I know, I know. Crazy. You're a great host. Thank you so much. No, thank you. It's been it's been really fun. You've done uh, done a great job. Obviously, a ton of uh, experience and insight. Um, again, really looking forward to meeting you in person here in just a few weeks in Indianapolis. Um, so can't wait to can't wait to get that underway. But again, thank you so much for your time today, and um, uh, you know, look forward to talking again soon. All right. Thank you very much. You have a great day too. You too. We'll see you. What a great conversation with Don Graff, owner of Don Graff Automotive Advisors. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, and looking forward, like I, like I told Don, looking forward to meeting him in Indianapolis and hope to see you there as well for Reynolds Retail Summit, September 25th and 26th. Uh, reminder, if you haven't registered yet, please do so at rayray.com slash amplify. And before we hop off today, don't forget, you can watch or listen to all episodes of Connected on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify podcasts. And make sure to hit subscribe so you're notified every other week when new episodes are released. Thanks so much, and we'll see you in two weeks.